Hello and welcome to the Emerald Games Cast episode 2-9. My name is Nolan, with me is... I'm Janelle. And? I'm Alex. And here we are on June 8th, that's the day of recording. You want to give a little a little weather report, Janelle? No. Okay. Well, it's, some... it's raining. Yesterday there was a rainbow <laughs> in the sky in Eugene, Oregon. And when we drove through the streets, every single person our age was outside taking Snapchats of the rainbow. If that's the weather report See, that you are looking for. That's what for. I'm looking for. I okay. just wanted to set the scene for the audience. In really fact, put them in this gloomy Oregon afternoon that we're in here. It was a double rainbow. One of them very bright. One of them not so much. Yeah. Did yeah, you, hear, pass- you hear that guy passed away? Like real talk? Did you hear that he died? Like a few, what? like a couple weeks ago, I think. Like very recently. Yeah. 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 The, double rainbow, yeah. the double rainbow guy passed away. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why the rainbow was double yesterday wow. on the drive home. That's... What if it happened to correlate with his real funeral? That'd be crazy. That'd be lovely. Yeah. Wow. Would it be really inappropriate to film a reaction <laughs> video of people <clears throat> freaking out over the rainbow at his funeral? At the... I think he'd like that. <laughs> I can't speak for him. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to think he would like that. Well, how you doing, Alex? Uh, you know, I'm doing. It's, it's, it's a weird, besides it being rainy, which is inconsequential, uh-huh. it is a weird, gloomy, uh, strange time that we're in right now. Yeah. Um, Weather yeah. and the world. Yeah, and we should probably just address that really quick. We should. Um, yep. But we still wanted to, because we're a video game podcast, and as we all know, there's no place for politics in video games. Um, <laughs> we did want to bring up that there is currently a, a bundle, as of recording, I'm not, we're not entirely sure when this will be up. But as of recording, there is currently a bundle on a site called uh, itch.io, uh, which hosts um, independent games from indie developers. A pretty massive bundle. Well, it's like 740 games as of right now, with more on the way very soon. And $5 or more to get it. Um, 100% of the proceeds is split between, um, I believe it's the NAACP and the National Bail Fund, which is like super, super cool. Yeah, um, and I you, think you guys should check out that. Have you bought it yet, Alex? I have, yes. I haven't played any of the new games, but there are games in there that I've played before. I made a little Twitter thread about it, but I can talk about some of the games that are featured in there. Wait, I'm, I'm only seeing about 20 games. Where are you uh, seeing? I'm seeing... Oh, yeah. Right. Never mind. I there it. were two the bundles. Bundle. I was going to say, yeah, there were two bundles. This one is officially through itch.io. Um, right. So there is a uh, there's a bundle called um, Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality, and that looks like the one that Alex is talking about with the 740 games. Mm-hmm. It appears that Itch.io is also hosting. We call it a, Itch.io. Um, Thank you. Oh yeah. Is it really also pronounced Itch.io? Hosting a, uh, I don't know. That's what I say. Black Lives Matter support bundle now, as of three days ago, that has 19 games by black developers, and that's separate. Kind of. Seems to be. This but, is yeah. my... So there's, there's a couple options. This is my first day on my PC in multiple days, I think, since this actually got announced. So I haven't bought it yet, but I'm planning on doing that tonight or tomorrow. Um, Alex, I'm sure that you don't want to, you know, reiterate everything that you posted on Twitter, but maybe you could give your Twitter handle if anybody wants to go read your little <laughs> reviews. And, and talk about them some, too. Talk yeah, about them. Yeah, I was going to... I don't, don't want to self-promote. I do want to talk about some of the, the games in here that I really liked. Um, a couple of the highlights for me personally, are uh, Dr. Lanzikov, The Tiger, and The Terribly Cursed Emerald. That is a, a very, very good like meta comedy game about a jewel heist, technically, and it's made by the guys behind uh, The Stanley Parable and Rick and Morty. Um, uh, wait, hang on. Yeah. 
Are the Stanley Parable guys the Rick and Morty guys? No, no. So, Combination. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The Stanley Parable guys actually had a falling out because it was two of them. This is one half of Stanley Parable. The other half went on to make, um, oh, god damn it, I can't remember the name of it. But that game was also very, very good, but in a different way. It was less comedic and more introspective. Um, yeah. A Short Hike is a game. It's a really cute little like PS1-style platformer. You are a bird, and you go on a hike up a mountain trail, and you collect feathers that lets you fly, and you talk to the people in this like National Park mountain. It's very good. Um, Babysitter Bloodbath, have you guys heard of this? I saw it on your Twitter thread, and I thought it looked cool as hell. I, I, yeah, I, I figured you would like it, Janelle, because it's stylized as, it is a survival horror that's stylized as a PS1 game, and a reference to, like, direct-to-VHS horror movies, um, and it has all of the best and worst aspects of both of those mediums. Hmm. Um, Minute is interesting, it's a, like, a little 2D Zelda game, where you only live for up to one minute before you have to start over, um, so you have to make the most of your time. Uh, Glitter Mitten Grove. Uh, Heavy Bullets is a uh, survival shooter. You have like reusable bullets, and it's all neon aesthetic. It looks really neat. Uh, Sewer Rave is probably one of the more underrated ones in there, I think. It's an adventure game. You go to a party, a rat party in the sewer, and you mingle with the people. I want to go to a rat party. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. You go to a rat party, you listen to like rap music, and you, you, you talk to and mingle with the rats. Um, those are just you know, a couple of games. I, there are 740 of them. Um, and a lot of games in there. This. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, no, one sorry, game that on. I... I was just going to say, one game I haven't played that people really like is uh, Night in the Woods. That is a critically <laughs> well-received game, and one of the first times I've ever been in a bundle, like, ever, at all. Um, I haven't actually played it, but I'm sure people who have played it can talk about how much they enjoy it. Um, Oxenfree is in there, too. Similarly, yes. high-profile, oh. well-received. Outside of the bundle, I also wanted to mention um, blackgamedevs.com. You can go on there and contact individual game devs to hire them. If I don't know who the hell listens to our podcast, you might be <laughs> hiring game devs, but you could hire them or you could, you know, find out about people who make games and buy their video games. And that would be really cool, too. Um, I think it's important to specify that, like, you know, you shouldn't only be supporting these people when your games are on sale. Right, so like, yeah. you know, maybe when everything's over, you know what I mean. Things will never be over. Right, right, right. But like, when things are more settled down and people start talking about it less, because that's how Twitter works. Just you know, go on this website and find some cool game developers and buy their games for full price, because that's really cool to do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep an eye on them because there's a lot of really good uh, independent game developers out there that need your attention. And yeah, yeah. Now that I'm looking through this, I'm actually surprised at. How many of these I have come into contact with? I've not. Yeah, there's some really good high-profile games in there. But um, there were a couple that I had played before. Like, there's one towards the top. There's this game about uh, a road trip in '70s Italy called Wheels of Aurelia. Yes, I've heard about that. That um, I actually did buy on Switch a couple years ago. Totally forgot that I played did that. You ever, but, did you um, play it? I did. Yeah, it's it's pretty short. It's only a few hours. It's okay. A lot of fun, and um, yeah, this is a fantastic bundle. I'm I'm distracted because I'm just flipping through it, kind of amazed at how interesting this looks. Yeah, uh, the, no, yeah. The Bleed games, Bleed One and Two, I've played those as well. They're really fun, uh, sort of twin, kind of twin stick uh, side scroller. Which is a weird combination, combo. but it works really well. It is um, Quadrilateral Cowboy by Blendo Games. Alex, you you I'm, I know that you played some Blendo games. 
Yes. Um, uh, what, I believe what are those called? 30, 30 Flights of Loving. Yes, yes. Is one. That's a What's that's a very very good game. Oh, um, Gravity Bone. Yes. Fantastic yes. developer, and that's another one that um, Blendo games are primarily sold off the website. Great one to support. Some of the best uh, offbeat narrative adventure games that I've played, at mm, least. Absolutely. I think Gravity. I think Gravity Bone's free, even. Um, I think they might both be free. I'm not sure. Well, I bought Thirty Flights of Loving for like twenty bucks, so I hope it's twenty bucks. That now. game was not twenty bucks. <laughs> uh, it was well. In any case, they're worth looking into. Absolutely, Definitely. absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah so a lot of really good games available for PC, Mac, or even Linux. So mm-hmm. go check those out. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know we're we're still gonna be doing our regular episode as well. But I would urge anyone listening to. Pay attention to what's happening in the world. Try and educate yourself and uh, do what you can, you know? And uh, anyways, outside of that, have you guys been playing anything? Alex, you start. Uh, <laughs> I have been playing... Uh, I recently have been replaying through uh, Bioshock 1. And Brilliant. remembering how good of a game that is. It's just a really, really good game. I've been playing through the remaster, though, and I have... I don't know if this is just false memories or not, but I remember the menus being easier to navigate... Um, with like everything in the remaster seems weirdly disconnected. It all everything's also less shiny. Um, Bioshock One had this weird, weird like visual aesthetic where everything was like like kind of shiny and like wet looking, which made sense considering the setting. Um, but they kind of they made it a little bit more realistic looking, which I don't know how I feel about that. But it's still Bioshock at its core, which is a which is a fantastic game. I would still has the the overblown proportions where everyone's hands are massive and yeah, they yeah. all look like TF2 characters. Yeah, still yeah. Still got that, right? It's, it's still stylized, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And it's still, you know, the, the, the great gameplay and great story and world building of Bioshock. I'm a fake gamer, and the only Bioshock game I've actually played all the way through is Infinite. Because um, up until a few years ago, I never had a gaming PC. I know that those games aren't just on PC, but mm. the only one I've ever been able to play was because, like, in high school in, like, 2013, I think, is when Bioshock Infinite came out. My friend, like, let me borrow yeah. it for the PS3. So I've never actually sat through them. I, I've owned them for a really long time, but I was always playing my games on this really shitty little laptop, and it wouldn't run Bioshock. So yep. you keep telling me I need to play it, and that I'd like I it. I think you would I'm... really like it, because it is a very interesting horror game. Um, and you like Bioshock Infinite, which I have some hot takes on, and I wonder if this would make you uh, reevaluate your thoughts on Infinite or not, you know? That's fair. That's a that's a summer goal to play all three of those games. Um, Listen, listener, you may have been around when we debated Fallout 3 versus New Vegas. We won't get into Infinite versus Bioshock 1, but I'll say this sentence, hot take. Bioshock Infinite is a wonderful game and a really bad Bioshock game. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Alex, but it, it doesn't it, it's it is absolutely not an immersive sim in the way that the Bioshock games are an evolution of it's Bioshock Infinite. It's feels... like a corridor shooter, essentially. Yeah. It's Bioshock really good, Infinite though, but... feels unfinished to me. And and playing through Bioshock and looking at some of the promotional materials for Bioshock One and Bioshock Infinite back to back have have reaffirmed that to me. Is that I think well, Bioshock even... Infinite was supposed to be a different game. And the original of- demo of Infinite, if you might remember, had Booker going into that bar and accidentally starting conflict by um, frustrating one of the patrons, and it, and it had this yeah 
this kind of conceit they were marketing that it would be semi-open world and it would be even more ambitious with the interactions than the first two. Um, Which it wasn't. What happened? It ended up having basically none of that. Yeah. I'm not going to get into this with you guys and I'm not going to let you guys get into this, but can we at least (laughs) all agree that like that moment in Bioshock Infinite when you walk out and you just see the fresh open sky and those giant balloons that are terrifying of the presidents is one of the most like breathtaking moments in video games. Yeah, yeah. I certainly feel that way. It's even, incredible. Even Bioshock before that, when you're going is, up in the yeah. um, in the pod and it plays the first piano notes of Amazing Grace, yeah. to me, is jaw dropping. Incredible. I will never forget that. For it's sure. a very it's a very interesting parallel in a lot of ways to what happens in Bioshock One. Um, mm-hmm. All but, good things flow into Rapture. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the 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 oh god, what does he call it? The chain. Mm-hmm. Something about the, the great chain, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, those games are both about American exceptionalism in different ways, um, which I think is really interesting. I really like a lot of what Infinite does. I don't like a lot of what Infinite does with its story. It's very mixed. Um, or I'm very mixed on sure. it, I should say. Um, but, you know, they're good games. People like them. Yeah. If you're interested in uh, in a really interesting, surprisingly introspective uh, storytelling and gameplay mm-hmm. mesh that goes together beautifully, um, check out those games. And then, Let me tell you what I've been playing. Oh, yeah, what I'm sorry, playing? Alex. I was just, just no, going to say, you can, you can forget about 2. I haven't actually played 2, but I hear that 2 is not as good. Anyway. Ah, however, 2, DLC, Minerva's Den. Excellent. Is uh, it? Created, created by uh, the head level designer of Minerva's Den is the same man that went on to found Fulbright Games and bring a, oh, a handful right. of developers out to create Gone Home and Tacoma. Um, has some pedigree with... Uh, with irrational games from the day, so it, I'm I have not played Bioshock two myself, but I've seen a lot of Minerva's Den and um, love Fulbright's work, and I've heard really good things about it. So yeah, I'm worth worth noting. Things, so. But Janelle, I'm sorry, we cut you off. I have only been playing this because I bought it for Nolan for <laughs> our anniversary. <laughs> I bought it selfishly because I wanted him to hang out with me instead of in the computer room. But I have been occasionally him very commonly playing Dirt Rally 2 mm-hmm. on the PlayStation <laughs> 4. And I know just a, a few weeks ago I said that I don't like car games very much, but I am so into this. It's so much fun. Nolan oh, can yeah. say, I mean, there's not a lot to say about Dirt Rally 2. Oh, but, I disagree. But Nolan can say more than I can. It's just sometimes, sometimes listeners, you just want to drive a car really fast. And I'm learning that now at 20 something years old. It's so much goddamn fun to just drive really fast and crash into trees, okay? Listen, we've all played racing games. We've all driven a car down a track. But Dirt Rally 2, listener, if you buy this game, here's what I advise you to do as soon as you begin. Go into the settings, turn off every assist, and try and convince yourself to play this game with manual transmission, which I never do in driving games because it's such a pain. But I wanted to make this a mountain climb instead of a hike, if you know what I mean. Um, And (laughs) Dirt Rally 2 turns into not a game about driving a car down a track, but negotiating your car to convince it to not careen off the track at every slight angled turn. Because (laughs) it's like you're wrestling the car to convince it to not kill you. And it 
is such a blast. And in, 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 in the beginning, you will, don't feel bad, because in the beginning, you will be a disaster. You, you will be slamming into trees and rolling off of cliffs. But once you finally find your groove and you get the car down that track and you fly around a corner at 60 without braking because you finally have played that track so many times that you can take that corner without killing yourself, it is like the most incredible feeling. And then you'll get to the results screen and you'll only be in 12th place or something, but it won't even matter because you'll feel so damn good that you got to the end. It's, it's like I'm sweating when I finish a race in Dirt Rally 2 because I'm constantly scared of my car. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I, I'm so addicted it's to wild. it. It's <laughs> wild. Like, the, oh, I feel so bad for our neighbors because the first night that he got it, he, like, handed it to me and he was like, you should try this. And I obviously did terribly. But there was this <laughs> one point in the game where, like, I think two of my, like, tires were just gone and I was just going on the rims or whatever. Two of your, and I, like, two of your tires were gone and, and you, like... <laughs> Like, the the hood of the car kept bouncing up on each bump, and you were, like, hoping to crash to knock the hood off so it stopped getting in your way. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I couldn't turn my car one way, and I'm just in our room at, like, 1 a.m. just screaming at the TV because I just can't drive, and I'm really scared, and I don't want to fall off a cliff again, and it's just <laughs> so much fun. I think, Janelle, maybe you can vouch for this, but um, that car, that game's damage model is... I don't know enough about cars to say whether or not it's realistic, but it's it's um, very plausible. It feels realistic because the car has a separate, uh, I don't want to say like a health pool because that's a little bit too simple, but it separately models damage for like your radiator and your wheel geometry and the bodywork and the engine and lights and all of that stuff. So you can do something, for example, like hit the side of the track and knock out one of your headlights at nighttime and then the wiring is screwed up so that as you're driving if your car goes up into too high rpms and vibrates too much the remaining headlight will slowly blink out of power until you slow down to 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 like let the car turn the headlight back on so you'll be driving at nighttime and you can see but only on the right side of your car and then you speed down a straightaway and your headlights (laughs) turn off and then your co-driver is like right right three and 30 meters and you slow the car down and turn right and the headlight blinks back up and there's like a barrier in front of you and you slam the like shit like that this this game models your car so that you have to pay attention to everything and when you're speeding down and like maybe your glass is loose or whatever and the car's vibrating and the controller's vibrating i swear this is so cliche but i feel like i can smell the oil burning like it just feels <laughs> like you're in the seat and um i mean it's not it's not even like it's like the best racing game i've played it's just like if it, it it's it's the best drive down a dirt road game <laughs> and, and that sounds like not high praise but it is because i feel about driving down a dirt road in this game like i do about walking and death stranding there's just so much intricacy to it <laughs> that even if you don't enjoy playing it you 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 have to admire how much work they've done to get it to feel like you're doing it you know what i mean um and I'm, yeah, I'll, I'll probably play it after the episode. Hell. It's a, it's a freaking <laughs> blast. There will be these moments where your co-driver will be like, the engine's running hot or the water's too hot. Or he'll, or he'll sound scared. He'll he sounds like, scared. And you're like, oh my, okay? oh my God. Oh God. Oh no. <laughs> or your engine will stop. There was this moment where 
my engine just like basically broke and I was going as fast as I could at like 30 miles an hour because my car wouldn't go and I'm just freaking out. You were in you were in the highest gear with the trigger held all the way down at full throttle and, and the car was barely breaking 30 miles an hour. <laughs> it was just like lolling along. It was it's so insane. Sad. But, but <laughs> listener, if you just want to like play a video game and not really think about anything mm. for an hour, play Dirt Rally 2. It's really good for not <coughs> thinking. <clears throat> That's, a, that's a very good uh, uh, foil to Bioshock, where you think a lot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, like, play some Bioshock, then play some Dirt Rally. Well, yeah, it's a different yeah. kind of thinking, right? It's a different kind of thinking, because, so, in in rally car racing, the um, it's unique because, like, we've been talking about the co-driver. So there's somebody sitting in the seat next to you with a pen and, uh, like, a pen and paper notepad. And the, the drivers in rally races... Um, they might know the courses from previous years or whatever, but ideally they've never driven that road before. And you're not um, going to be able to see every turn coming because you're supposed to be going as fast as you're able to with, you know, reasonably. And so the co-driver has a written list of all the turns and like the severity and the angles and they're reading it out loud to you as you drive. So you have to listen to them and you have to know their jargon. They'll say like, right six... 30 and that means you have a shallow right turn that continues for 30 meters and they'll say into left two and that means a sharp left turn or whatever so you have to listen to them and you're not thinking about anything because you can't because you have to just be processing the turns and building the mental map in your head because if you start getting cocky and you're like yeah i'm driving pretty good this is going really well and you stop listening to the co-driver you will instantly fly off the course into a tree because <laughs> you can't, you 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 can't like use your visual reactions. They won't be quick enough. You have to turn before you can see your turn. It's wild. Strangest uh, thing I've done with my DualShock Four controller doesn't feel built for it. But you know, anyways, I've talked to you off about Dirt too. Probably enough said. But that's my recommendation. <laughs> so damn fun. Yeah. Nice. All right. Is it is it time to get into the the I fabled think, news? I think it's time for the fabled news. The news. Give it to us, Alex. Uh, so Infinity Ward, one of the two, or I guess now three, because they hired on a new team. Uh, my teams behind Call of Duty because they alternate teams every year. Um, just recently announced a what they're calling new anti-racism measures in Call of Duty, um, which consists of like closer monitoring of voice chat um, and of text chat and you know, removal of names that are slurs. Um, they also recently replaced all the loading screens in Warzone, which is the the very popular um, Battle Royale mode, with a Black Lives Matter message. Um, Look, let me just say, that part of it is good and cool, but, like, they should already be fucking making sure that the people the on their... they the technology. Yeah. Like, it's meaningless to say this now, like... You should always be making sure that people don't have shitty slurs in their name or that people aren't saying terrible things to each other. I don't understand. I mean, I understand why, but, like, I don't understand how they think that this gets them any anything, you know? Yeah, no, and I think you're right. Like, they've had the ability to do this for a while, and they just haven't until it was popular and until they got pressure to. Um, they, that being said, they also said, canceled season seven of Call of Duty Mobile. If that means anything to any of well, our listeners, thank God. I oh, feel no. like they've really done their due diligence. And also, it's Call of Fucking Duty. I'm sorry, but like, maybe this is a hot take, but I don't, I don't think that that message goes with their games at all. Not well, even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Those games are wildly popular. I thought you were going to say it doesn't go with their with their player base, but I was going to say there's a lot of people. <laughs> but if, in that case, I would agree. I mean, this this coming after they pulled the stunt in Modern Warfare, where they modeled the recent Modern Warfare 2019, not the previous one, where they modeled one of the missions after a um, United States done a highway bombing in Russia, but they in the game did the a level based off of that event where the perpetrators were Russia instead and it was US soldiers in the crossfire um it wasn't even that they just in, like, in a in a game that they claimed was com- fully apolitical you know yeah it wasn't even that they they claimed that it was like that they suggested Russia did it they they said that in a voiceover that it was like oh Russia yeah. did this famous war crime which is just it's just factually incorrect and in the same game where the game automatically uh, prevents you from pulling the trigger when you point your gun at an allied soldier, it won't let you fire. But in the house-clearing mission, for who knows what reason, possibly shock value and free marketing, they allow you to shoot the infant baby and then chastise you on the game over screen for doing it with a quote about the horrors of war. Though they clearly already implemented the don't let the player shoot that thing code um, and just turned it off for that just so they could get the free marketing for it. And they have a waterboarding minigame where you are waterboarding someone to get information out of them. And you get information out of them because, you know, uh, torture works in the Call of Duty world. In the Call of Duty world. Yeah. Good job Um, for the loading screen. I don't know. Black Lives Matter doesn't correlate to game amplifying war to be a game that's just incredibly imperialist and has worked closely with the u.s military in a lot of ways yeah Yeah. exactly it's i don't know everybody's talking about this so this isn't like a a new like janelle thought or anything but like it's this weird thing where if companies don't say something right now well fuck them but also if they do it feels incredibly disingenuine and, like, what we need isn't for fucking Infinity Ward to say that they're going to try a little bit harder to be less racist. We need them to, like, completely change everything. Don't just talk about it. Like, yeah. actually yeah. do things. And maybe stop making fucking Call of Duty games. <laughs> I will say. I will say. I don't I don't know if I can speak for everyone, but I feel like I can. That I wouldn't want a listener to be confused and think that we are angry at them for doing this. No, no, no. Because no. it is a good show of solidarity. However, it... I, it completely falls flat in, yeah. the, in the case of, like, nothing they have done stands for this elsewise. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, it's complicated, because, like, you do want companies to express support in some way. Um, another example that comes to mind is Rockstar turning off GTA Online for two hours with a message related to BLM. But it's another example of, like... Now, I think Grand Theft Auto, forgive me, this is going to sound stupid to say it, is a, a series whose writing is more aware of race relations than Modern Warfare is, probably. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like doing that would be very effective, because I have to imagine the effect might be that you have players who are just mad that the servers got shut off, and who knows, does that anger translate into, like, screw these protesters, now I can't play GTA Online? I mean... Maybe I, ima- I imagine. I imagine that they've already like had those weird. sentiments. You know, it I imagine just, that those yeah. feels like there. a strange, like a f- flat 
move, right? Yeah, and feel- also for two hours in the on midday on a weekday. Yeah, it feels like they're like, doing the absolute bare minimum to mm-hmm. pretend to show real support when they're not actually doing anything. Like, you're absolutely right. None of us want them to not say something. They just need to do something more than turn off their game for two hours. Yeah. Or send, like, an email that says, or more than, we failed, or something like that. More than, you know, change your Twitter avatar to the pride flag during June or whatever mm-hmm. without without these, you know, coughing up any money for the charities or trying to raise awareness in a more substantial way than just basically or taking being a look there at to your product. avoid the criticism. Yeah. yeah. Taking a look at your product and being like, what what is it about this that's like... Like, what can we do to, to change things with our primary export, you know? Export's of, a strong yeah. word, but... Out of curiosity, since we're on the topic, what would you be happy to see a company like Infinity Ward do? What, like, what kind of steps should a company take under these circumstances? I know that we talked about it being too little too late, but I do think that the idea that the, the idea that they are cracking down on, you know, vile racists in the Call of Duty community, which is just like a known thing, is good. Um, I would like to see them donate money, maybe have a, one thing that has done that companies have done before is have like a DLC that comes with some sort of like little cosmetic thing. Mm. And it also, all of the money goes to X charity, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like that is a good way to, to go about that. Um, See, I'm, I'm torn. Cause I'm half with you. Like they should be doing things so that their money goes towards charities. But on the other hand, they should stop making games that are about like how great war is. They can yeah. they can say that there are the horrors of war or whatever, but by making millions of dollars off of games about war, you're just who are you fucking kidding? About war was... and working closely with the U.S. military to make yeah. sure that war looks good, you know. We'll see exactly. Here, here's here's the thing about the Call of Duty games, and this is a topic for a different day, at least in depth. But it's interesting that if you were around to play Call of Duties, I want to say one through three, but less so three than the first two. Those games, in my opinion, actually did do a pretty good job of portraying war without glorifying it. But I say that with a huge, massive caveat, and I think it can be summed up really easily like this. I would say Saving Private Ryan, as a movie, portrays the horrors of war without quote-unquote glorifying it. However, the byproduct of that movie is yet still a glorification of war because of just the fact of what happens when movies like that get popular. So Call of Duty, all the way up until the modern day, continues to put death screen quotes from authors and poets about the horrors because it's just a tradition way back from the first game. But they've lost that... It used to be you could criticize the games for glorifying war as a byproduct, but at least the heart was in replicating like war fiction and famous literature and film. But that was lost when they started doing stuff like No Russian, where they started going for shock value instead, you know? Modern Warfare 3 had that scene where this little girl gets blown up when the Eiffel Tower gets bombed so that the player gets vindicated to go shoot all the terrorists, right? They create these straw men so that you get to go have your righteous rage and mow down all the brown people, and you know the, it's like a different thing now. What was the Call of Duty game with Jon Snow in it? Oh, it was, um, I think it was Advanced Warfare. No. Oh, no, that was Kevin Spacey. Yeah, it's, was it Infinite Warfare? Infinite Warfare. The, I don't know if you guys played that game. Unfortunately, I was kind of 
into it for a minute. I don't know. That was a weird part of my life. <laughs> but um, the big the big tearjerker that makes you like against the the people you're fighting against is that your robot friend dies, and it's a tearjerker, and that's like the the most complicated commentary they have on the horrors of war, and it's a fucking yeah. joke. So I do like, wonder how much was... of that comes down to like media literacy, right? Like how I, it, it's a little bit like the people who I mentioned it earlier, Bioshock. The people who played Bioshock and got super into Ayn Rand, right? We're like, hey, maybe we can sure, make sure. a free market economy. How much of like, that just totally is just the point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think that that applies to games. Um, I'd say about four and earlier. Personally, I'll still stand by the original Modern Warfare being both a good game gameplay-wise and a good game narratively. I think it's very well written, and I think it's done well. Um, but that game was so popular, they tried to strike while the iron was hot, and I don't think that the spirit has carried on beyond that point. And that was... God, what... Was that, like, 2000 six or seven or eight something like that's it been it's been a long time yeah. since i think the games really knew what they were doing but i would say if you go back and play the original modern warfare i think it holds up pretty well and um it doesn't play it, it it's it's cards so like the morals in those games aren't as black and white back in the day as they ended up becoming i think the medal of honor games used to be pretty good about that too and the same exact thing happened to them they you know, they flanderized all the all the messages and like copied all of their old good scenes and to the opposite effect. You know, it's it's gonna happen when you make like with, fifteen games. That's the thing with war games in general. I think like that always inevitably ends up happening. Yeah, or like the games like um, Tripwire's Red Orchestra. You create like a, a very realistic World War II simulator that doesn't pull any punches about what that was like to be in and inevitably what happens is you you get a bunch of like alt-right quote-unquote history buffs who jump at the chance to play as a german soldier and the whole community of your game turns toxic it's it's the problem with creating things that reference history or politics you get the this weird horseshoe effect where people that don't understand what you're going for adopt your work and make it their own and then to have yep. the audacity to claim that your game is apolitical is is mind-boggling to me. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. They made it the whole focus of their, like, early interview circuit was that this game would be up to interpretation. But how did they go to achieve that? They basically just... I, I don't I don't know. There, there wasn't a scene that was like, war is good, with a voiceover. But, I mean... <laughs> There doesn't need to be. You are not Anyways. immune to propaganda. Yeah, that's a big, big tangent. Speaking of but, propaganda, uh, yeah. remember that big secret uh, Sega reveal that was yes. hyped up last week? Yes! Oh, Mullen, yeah. do you want to talk about it? Sega's making a Game Gear Micro. What's that, Nolan? It's a very small Game Gear. It's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. It's so stupid. Okay. I hate it's it. we got to give some details. It's, if it's you guys... impossibly small. It's for mice. Listeners may recall, we may have some old listeners who were around when the Game Gear launched in 1990. Shout out to you <laughs> if you're around. Thanks for tuning in. It's it's each of our moms. Yes. Uh, you think? Do you think your mom bought the Game Gear, Janelle? Um, I bet my grandpa <laughs> bought the Game Gear and then said it was for my mom, but then kept it because he oh, did yeah. admit to doing that about other consoles very recently. All right. <laughs> so Sega is coming up, or well, now has already passed its 60th anniversary, and. 
You may recall from last week a Twitter user said that they were going to announce something huge. Well, they announced not a, a Twitter Game user, Gear. a prominent Japanese game journalist. Like, right. not this might be a, a, a not a one hundred percent accurate comparison, but on par with um, Jason Schreier, a Japanese game journalist, said that this was going to be revolutionary. Yeah. Well, it sure what is. it is is a very small version of the Game Gear, uh, which is kind of in the vein of like the NES and SNES classic. Um, but the original Game Gear was a handheld size. This is about three and a half by 1.7 inches. It is so small. <laughs> the entire we, machine can you know fit what? inside your palm. Nobody's, nobody's done a classic edition of a handheld console yet. And all the people who made classic editions of home consoles shrunk them down for that cute novelty. Sega didn't get the memo that the controllers were still the same size on all of those, <laughs> so they made their little micro tiny, and it's so small that they're selling an attachment with it that's just a magnifying <laughs> glass that you strap it, onto the front. It's called the big the window. It's called the big window. It's called the big window micro. I, I think that what happened was whoever created this, they were like, okay. So people are into small consoles. I also see that people on Facebook are into those tiny food things. What if, what if we made a console that you can't actually play? It's so small. <laughs> people will love it. Uh, so it is uh, also notably doing a strange thing with the game lineup. Most of these That's things come the with like 30 to, to 50 games. Yep. Uh, the Micro opted instead to come with four games, already notably small. However... It's being sold in four colors. You can get it in black, blue, yellow, or red. And each of them have four separate games. They all have separate selections based on... So, like, okay, like... like, And it makes sense. The black model is no, really it doesn't. basic. I'll just run through them. No, yeah. No, no it doesn't. I'm going to say, no. The way it's sold does not make sense. The, the idea of dividing, like, target audiences between them kind of makes sense. Like, if you look at the most extreme examples, the very basic one, the black one, is Sonic the Hedgehog, Puyo Puyo 2, Outrun, and Royal Stone. Now, three of those probably sound pretty weird to us, but to a Japanese audience, Puyo Puyo 2 and Outrun are both going to be, like, like top-shelf classics. Um, and th this is, like, going to be a wide audience. On the opposite end of this extremity, the red one has Megami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible, which would be, like, an old, old precursor to the Persona series. Um, Mangami Tensei Gaiden Last Bible Special, a oh. special edition of the same game, takes up one of the four slots instead of making it the one slot with that version. A game called the GG Shinobi, and then our old favorite classic puzzle game, Columns. So there's some weird stuff going on with that. We also, to say, we make fun of the big window, but that did exist for the original one, I guess. But in any case, this Well, sure, is... just like the GBA had, like, like magnifying glass yeah. attachments. But, like, you didn't need them unless you no. needed them. This is absolutely ridiculous. I think each one is, what, like, 50 bucks or something like that? Yeah, the, each, each one is $50. So 46, if you want... Yeah. yeah. And, like, this... Okay. Does anyone have, like, a super strong nostalgic attachment to the Game Gear? How much do they expect this to sell? Well, it's so weird because, like, okay, one of them is I mean, straight it's up Sega. just come on. the the yellow one is basically just Shining Force, and that's it. It's <laughs> the yellow one has Shining Force Gaiden, Shining Force Gaiden Two, Shining Force Shining Force Gaiden Final Conflict, and some game called Nazo Puyo Arle no Ru. That is uh, so one of the Puyo Puyo characters, it's like an RPG, I think. Three Shining Force games. Um, 
is it a memory restrictment? Do you, do, you, do you think there's something to do with the size of this not being able to hold more than four games? But that can't be true. Every problem can that have like they 60 gigs. created can be solved. Like, oh, the screen is so <laughs> small that you need a magnifying glass. What if we made a bigger screen? Oh, maybe there's not enough, like, you know, uh, memory on the device. What if you made it a little bit bigger? And, like, you what could make I... it slightly more expensive, make it a little bit bigger, and put all of those games on there. And then it'd be like, what all right, this seems I like a new like... thing. What if I like Sonic the Hedgehog, Gunstar Heroes, Shining Force Gaiden 2, and Shin Megami Tensei? Well, I'm shit out of luck. I gotta buy four of these things. Yeah. <laughs> I did see, I was really annoyed on Twitter when this got announced because I saw some like pretty prominent games journalists go, well, you know I'm buying all four of them. <laughs> Fuck you. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't uh, fucking do that, I'm white sorry, guy. I'm sorry, Janelle, d- the last episode, do you remember when we talked about how you were like, oh, I'm going to hate the new uh, Dragon Age, but I'm going to buy it anyway. It's weird that all of a sudden I can't hear Alex speaking. Alex, are you there? Oh, no. Are you there? <laughs> yes, I am there. Oh, well, now I hear Look, you. You do? Okay, so you can hear I, how you were talking about how much you want to just buy the next Dragon Man, it's game. crazy. I can't hear over how excited I am about the Sega Game Gear Micro. This is uh, the greatest marketing stunt of all time, in my <laughs> opinion, is what it is. And um, It's like the size of a Tamagotchi. Yeah. yeah it's, it's great. Well, just I like love how... playing Sonic on my Tamagotchi screen. I just already, like... While we're making fun of it, I'm thinking to myself... I'm going to hide these in their stockings this year. So I guess it has some use, right? And it's so state-of-the-art, it's powered by AAA batteries. Oh, thank God. Which I think is wonderful. You can charge them with a USB microcable, apparently, but still. Just like how this is uh, deceitful and dishonest and weird, uh, my introduction about how this is the revolutionary thing is also a little bit deceitful and dishonest because Sega came out and said this wasn't it. This was a separate thing. What is actually the revolutionary thing... What the real one is... ...is actually kind of interesting. It's what they're calling yeah. the Fog Gaming Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, What's that, Alex? So, essentially, it's it's hard to explain in layman's terms, and I've been trying to wrap my head around it for the last couple days. So, Sega mm-hmm. owns arcades in Japan, which are still huge. Uh, mm-hmm. Massive buildings where they, they run, you know, a lot of machines. Um, what they're talking about is basically, like, limited cloud computing. Uh, and they're calling it... Like low, it's low latency streaming that exists only in the individual arcades it's set up in. Uh, so as opposed to a cloud, which is universal, it's a fog, which is a little bit more local. Um, it's interesting. Um, I don't know the details about it, but you know, Japanese arcades still have online games that you can play with other people in different arcades. Uh huh. I'm I'm curious to see how that's going to work or what that's going to look like. What what it's looking like is this says that the arcade machines are connected to game center servers, which are then all connected to the cloud to 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 be able to uh let people do online competition without having the latency that you would normally with that connection um and be able to have like uh okay so like right now in Japan if you 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 can get these little member cards for each developer so like I had um I had like a Bandai Namco branded card in my wallet and the way it works is you go if you're playing a uh, arcade game that's like by Bandai you tap your little card on a reader and it logs you in as your profile and then it tracks your stats and stuff and you can go to any other uh, arcade and slap that card down on a bonded Namco machine and it'll load up your save progress, your player profile stats, all that stuff 
so you can play online wherever you are and have these connected. It looks like this is going to be kind of an evolution of that or like an expansion of that system, but for Sega. That's the vibe that I'm getting. Does that seem wrong? I, I suppose so. It's weird. I, I mean, you know, Nolan, you spent a lot of time in Japan. You lived there for about like a year, right? Uh-huh. I, and, well, I, yeah, and well, they... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, the, the, the idea of, you know, an active arcade with modern machines for, like, core gamers, quote-unquote, is, is such a foreign thing to me. So the whole thing is, is strange. Yeah. But Well, they mention here... They mention here... Um, like a focus on fighting games so that you could have with this new fog computing system allegedly you could get fighting game um input latency on online matches down to like less than one millisecond which is wild that's that would be really that's like yeah. that's like local play on a crt tv levels of latency um practically none um and like alex is right uh that arcades are so popular there and like that would actually make a lot of sense um i was there when tekken 7 was coming out and tekken 7 actually dropped in arcades before it came out on consoles and there were lines like around the room for the arcade cabs in tekken 7 and i mean you 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 hear legends of people in the 80s in america you know popping their quarter down on top of the cab to mark their spot and people standing around and spectating and watching and I mean, I'd see people roll up in their business suits and pull out, like, gloves and put down their little basket of supplies and hand sanitizer and spray down the cab and get ready to play and people gathered around to watch. Like, it's it's a different world. So, a big part of the Yakuza games is that <laughs> they all have Club Sega in them. Yeah. Do you think Yakuza 8 or 9 will have this in the it? The fog computing? Some yeah. NPC will tell it, tell you about it? Probably. <laughs> Well, yeah, so I'm, I'm, that's that's interesting. I'm curious to hear more about that. Yeah. Uh, they say that it will... I guess it's not in effect yet. It, like, we don't even really know what it's going to look like, but technologically, it... I don't think... It's weird, because the leaker you're talking about was saying that Sega's announcement would revolutionize gaming forever, and that might be true for a very specific niche of people who are into arcade competition. Um, but for the rest of the world, this will just mean that the online arcade games that they already aren't playing will have slightly less lag time that they wouldn't notice anyways. Yeah. So it's a weird, it's a pretty weird announcement. Maybe this will come to round one if round one isn't dead after everything that's been going on. Oh my god, they got like one month of business yeah. before I forgot COVID. about that. Yeah, that's too bad. I've been, <laughs> I've been wanting to go back so bad, but yeah, this, this is cool for a lot of people who aren't me. Fog yeah. gaming, baby. Fog gaming, baby. We talked about things it's that are the cool futures for people. Now. We talked about things for pe- that are cool for people in Japan. Uh, what about something that's cool for people living in Taiwan right now? Oh. And uh, I've never been as jealous of anything. Um, a couple of months ago. Was it last term? Yeah. Did we talk about this last term? We definitely talked about it at some point. Actually, I think this was in the episode that never got released. Wait, really? Mm, well. I think so, where we talked about how much we hate all of our listeners, and we actually have never played a video game before. Oh, that's <laughs> but, right. And Sarah Rose was like, in. you can't release that and, and put the boot down on us, you know, oppressing our <laughs> free speech. Um, However, maybe it wasn't in that episode, which would be embarrassing. In any case, we, we talked, talked about a devotion. little bit. 
We've yeah. talked about Devotion. Yep. Um, a horror game that vanished from Steam after a weird little controversial thing featuring Winnie the Pooh X. There was graffiti. President there was graffiti Jinping. in the game of Winnie the Pooh. It's a joke aimed at Chinese President Xi Jinping. They got banned about it. Yep. This developer um, game disappeared uh, off Steam. Taiwanese game developer. Mm -hmm. And now they're announcing that they're creating a physical edition. Pre-orders are running until June 15th, but only four people in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy for them. Very, very sad for me. I want to play this game more than anything. Um, and that's very cool that they're doing yeah. it. A lot of us thought that this game was just dead forever. Yeah. Uh, like for perspective, um, it's there is no legal way to play this game unless somebody you... It's kind of like PT on the PS4. Um, unless somebody you know already owns it or... You want to sail the high seas and do some swashbuckling. You cannot play this game. So this is the first official legal release of this game since last year when it was killed. Yeah. I think it's interesting that it's a physical release, too. And I wonder if that's... I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but I wonder if that's to get around the the banning of the game um, and their business imagine. license. I don't know anything about laws. <laughs> just known. in general in general yeah <laughs> um but i'm i'm certain that has to be what it is um that is probably also why they will only do this in taiwan yeah but it's it's really cool and the physical edition is really cool like it looks really gorgeous yeah yeah it it uh wraps the game in what is made to look like a VHS case and has a very late 1970s advertisement style has some like a lot of little physical goodies it's really one of those classic special physical editions that reminds you of the old days of PC gaming when everything was just wrapped in these lavish expensive boxes to draw your eye in the store you know um, it's good stuff not that I was alive in those days. Who am I to say? I was born in 1997 when that era was basically already it, also almost in, dead. Also in America, <laughs> where this, this was a completely foreign thing that was happening in Taiwan. Um, no, no, I'm talking about, um, well, I'm talking about the era of old PC games having beautiful uh, boxes yes, that I wasn't yeah, around yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the tail end of that. Yeah. yeah, just barely. I remember seeing, like, World of Warcraft expansions at office space when I was a kid. Yeah, we <laughs> have that. We have one in our bedroom, and yeah, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, I vividly remember seeing uh, physical copies of Amnesia at, uh, actually at um, Office Depot for some wow. reason. What yeah. is it about the Office Depot? Is it do, do, do you and I remember that specifically because we were so bored in Office Depot? We saw Probably. Out? In my memory, it's always Office Depot also. Yeah. They would always have like that and like weird budget uh, PC games. You know what? Know, you know what it was that I think it was. It was always those games, like MMO expansions. And the other thing I remember was like I Spy and Nancy Drew games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Was what it was what it was. Yeah. Good. Those like one hundred and one disc bundle games of a bunch of like shitty shovelware games. Yeah, and then I remember I bought a copy of Putt Putt. You guys remember Putt-Putt? Yeah, I remember Putt-Putt. <laughs> yeah, I got a Putt-Putt disc at, um... It might have been at Goodwill, actually, now that I think about it. Because that, that probably has been out of print since before I was born. <laughs> I mean... Oh, and Freddy Fish? I had a, I had a Freddy Fish? Fish disc at one point. Um, oh, God, I Freddy, Freddy Fish in the 10-gallon hat. Oh, I didn't I didn't mm -hmm. have that one. I had the Schoolhouse one. 
Man, I love those old games. They're so bad and so good. <laughs> I love them. I could never play them, though. I would play Putt-Putt for a few minutes until I was unable to progress because I couldn't figure out the most basic puzzles. <laughs> and I was a disaster. Yeah. Well. Nothing changes. Devotion. No. Check it out. Um, if you, listener, live if you live in Taiwan. <laughs> I know we have a lot of Taiwanese listeners out there. Yeah, but the thing is, they... <laughs> They know that, like, by doing this, people are going to upload their game. So, listeners, yeah. when that inevitably... But it probably get, isn't in English, it. right? I mean... Well, learn I... another language. <laughs> you know, branch I, yourself. I do wonder if this is going to, like, you know, be the first sign that, like, maybe some brave Western developer will finally tackle it and re-release it in the States or in Europe or wherever, you know? Um, yeah, and I hope that happens because, to my understanding, people should see this game. It's a very good game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Speaking right. of really good games, ever since four or five episodes ago, back in the day, Janelle's introduced this little segment where we talk about video games from the past. Started in 1995, we're up to the year 2000 now, and uh, we're here to talk about the best games that came out in the year 2000. Janelle, you have one? Yeah, well, let me start with this. Mm -hmm. I'm disappointed because I was convinced I didn't have one because there are no good games that came out in the year 2000. However, unfortunately, I did find out that Diablo 2 came out that year, which is unfortunately (laughs) one of the greatest games of all time. I can't do my thing about how that was a crappy year for gaming and you guys are wrong about Mario Party 2 or whatever. And how did you manage to pick the one example of like a critically acclaimed game that people still play? Did you do that by accident? No. <laughs> Are you one of those it's Mario amazing. Party haters who's like, oh, Mario Party was never good? No, I've only played Mario Party once and it was with you two. And you guys were pretty horrible to me the whole time. Well, that's oh, Mario no. Party. That's the game. Okay, well, you guys were nicer to each other is all I can say. Listeners, my two co-hosts are incredibly sexist. No, we're... Oh, my gosh. Someone's (laughs) going to take that seriously. You know that. Yeah, one of our... Some listeners going to... You are misconstruing the spirit of Mario Party. (laughs) All right? That is libel and slander, and I will not have it. All I can say is this. Whichever one it is, write it down, and it'll be the other one. Diablo 2 is one of the greatest games of all time. That's all I need to say. Fair enough. Don't ask me questions. Don't talk about it. Just (laughs) know. Diablo 2 is one of the greatest games of all time. But I will say this. Diablo 3, though it did have a bad start and our roommate has a lot of anger towards it because he loves Diablo 2 just as much as I do, it became a pretty good game. I just so. I just love that you de- like de- like put up the battlements on your opinion so hard, even though you're in really good company with that. A lot of people think that. Yeah. Yep. I, I haven't played any of those games. I don't know if Nolan has, but... Well, I was I was really ready to defend the idea that there were no good games that year, so I'm ready to fight, even if I have nothing to fight for. <laughs> you just, you were, you came looking for a fight. I did. Sometimes that happens, and hey. here we are. Also, again, Shenmue, I guess. Yeah, Wait, man. Shenmue, Shenmue again? Two, oh, Shenmue 2. Shen- yeah, Shenmue again, baby. <laughs> we did it again. Shenmue never ends. <laughs> Actually, it's not even a re-release. Yu Suzuki made the same game from the ground up again with the same people. I did I, it again, baby. We're having another one of those moments. It cost where, twice like, as I, much this time. <laughs> if I had owned and played Hitman Codename Forty Seven, I bet I would have loved it because I love Hitman. But I didn't, and well. Here we are. Uh, well, um, I hate to tell you this, but Hitman 1 is not that good. Well, there you go. To every other Hitman game. I have played it, and I didn't play that much of it. 
Play Blood Money. Blood Listen, Money is where it's play at. Play Hitman Blood Money. That's yeah. where it's at. And Hitman 2016 is excellent. Very, very good. Yes. Unless you're at PAX and you're playing the second season or whatever they're calling it, Hitman 2. I don't know what they're calling it. Yeah, it's, a, it's like an episodic thing. You're now. playing it and you like Hitman like me for the experience of walking around and hearing people talk and seeing all the sights and the guy goes... Um, excuse me, but do you know what you're doing? And I go, yes, I do. And it's very embarrassing because my screen happened to be the screen <laughs> on the big TV. I will never forgive the man at Tokyo Big Dome who in early 2015 was watching me play a pre-release demo of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And there was a very obvious map marker leading me to the tower that the demo wants you to see. But I wanted to play Breath of the Wild and explore and play with the physics and he hounded me until I gave in and went to the tower like he told me to, and it ruined the demo. So, wow. shout out to yeah. that guy whose name I don't know. 2000 brings out a lot of anger yeah. in us. Um, so, what are your guys' Diablo 2 for you. Alex, you got one? Mine was, mine was a little bit tougher, and I went between two of them. Uh, one of them was uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, big mm, influential excellent. game. Um, and oh wait, arguably, can I guess what your second one is? Well, uh, sure, Pokemon Stadium. I was thinking that too. It's not Pokemon Stadium. No, okay. But sorry, you're getting ahead. warmer. Pokemon Puzzle Challenge. <laughs> no, you're gonna you're you're losing it again. You're losing the trail. Pokemon okay. Crystal. No Pokemon. Um, this was uh, wow. what is it? This was on uh, the uh, the uh, N64. Mm. Scooby Doo Classic Creep Capers. It's Mario Party Two. Ah, oh man! Mario Party Two is Mar- I, I think Mario Mario Party gets a lot of unwarranted hate because I think it's bad game design. It's not. It's unbelievably fun game design, and it is. It's so fun. It's it's it's, Mario it's, Party sucks. it's it's just like every you know. It, it's like a board game, but it's it's more fun. Like I think a lot of the decisions yeah. people are like, oh, it's unfair. That's intentional. That's to make you heated yeah. and have a good time. You know. There is nothing more fun than getting together with some friends and playing through Mario Party 2. And Mario Party 2 is one of my favorites because I think it's arguably the most balanced with its items. Also, the stages are all themed and each character wears a different costume in each stage. Why did they never bring that back? It's I the don't best know. part about that game. I don't know, I but can't it's figure so good. out what they were thinking. It's uh, so good. I think yeah. Mario Party peaked with 2, in my opinion. Um, it, I have not played game. a lot beyond the, uh, the GameCube versions and... Everything else I haven't really played besides the the uh, the Switch one, which is not good. But uh, yeah. But I, I think I gotta go with Mario Party Two. It just that, and that's a totally selfish choice. It really should be Marvel vs. Capcom, but I don't know. I like to see Donkey Kong wear a cowboy hat. I uh, I love Mario Party One through Three. They're so fun. Well, and I Mario have an Party embarrassing... One is not great confession about yeah I, I know but this is this is why i say this alex oh okay i have an embarrassing confession about mario party one when i was young um listener do me a favor go on google images and look up mario party one box art and you might be able to understand why i spent my entire childhood thinking that i was playing mario party three because i understand <laughs> mario Mario's punching the dice block with a giant <laughs> three right beneath the words Mario Party. Oh my god, I and never knew that. I just always thought I was playing Mario Party 3 growing up, and then when I played Mario Party 3, um, which is very clearly labeled and you really can't get that one wrong, I was really confused as a child. How bad did you fuck so, up your hand playing that game? 
How what? How bad did you fuck up your hand, your palms? Oh, man. Um, you know what? I was terrible at it. I could never do the button mashing or the um, joystick spinning games. I just always lost those. Like, if those came up, I was going to lose 10 coins. Did you get your Nintendo-sanctioned glove? Because so many people... <laughs> this is real! This is... Do you know about this? Oh, I, I don't doubt it. I Nintendo has all kinds of weird stuff like that in the so past. So, they... Yeah, yeah so uh, enough people... There was... A lot of the minigames in Mario Party 1 involved moving the uh, the stick, the joystick on the uh, N64 rapidly in a circle. Um, and if you've ever felt the N64 joystick, it's, like, hard and stiff and weird feeling. Um, so a lot of people figured out the best way to do that was to put the joystick in the center of your palm and just move your hand around, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're able to visualize that. But that oh, fucked no. up people's palms. It, like, scarred <laughs> up their palms so bad that in, and enough parents complained that Nintendo actually sent out gloves to everyone who was oh, interested. Geez. And it's one of the reasons that Mario Party 1 has never been re-released on any platform. <laughs> Mario Party well, 2 and 3 have um, nothing else. Well, nothing you else. They, they haven't gotten to GameCube yet, but Mario Party you know One is not. Say. What do they say? You know what they say. What do they say? Sega does what Nintendo don't. What do they say? Ugh. That's what they. I just said what they say. What do they say? They Sega does what Nintendo don't. Did you pick huh? your choice yet, Nolan? I did. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you for just just shooting me down. Yeah, of right course. There. That's uh, what I do. Anyways, I was tempted. I was tempted this year, listener, the year 2000, to say Shinmu again because it came <laughs> oh out in God. America in 2000. However, I will <laughs> I will spare you the Shinmu conversation because the actual best game of the year 2000 um, uh, common era, you know, is Deus Ex 1 on PC is where it's at. And uh, it holds up. It, graphically, no. Control-wise, absolutely not you have to individually turn on all of your bionic mods with your function keys <laughs> that's some that's some trash you zoom in on the sniper with the z key that who who made that game who does that uh, but idios <laughs> however idios made it however it's really fun it's it's um if you rebind your controls in deus ex 1 to be a little bit more modern uh, get the mouse look the mouse look to work in your favor and, and and fix all that even even the vanilla version is uh intricate and thought through in a way that even games of the same genre today are not um, there there are games that approach deus ex's level of complexity in player choice but they do so by sacrificing scale um, a really good example, I think, is the most recent reboot of Prey from 2018. Uh, and even Deus Ex Human Revolution are really good about giving the player this playground of, you know, choices and gameplay differences and whatnot to really, like, let them uh, inhabit the character of the game in a way that is is creative, which is something a lot of games don't let you do. Really play the game um, the way that you want to. Uh, a lot of games market themselves that way, but older games could do it better because... I think the scope was easier to achieve because the like I think they were just cheaper to make. There's less of a burden of realism on a game from 2000 than there is of a game today. You can create a JPEG skybox and slap that shit in the background like just a circle-shaped um, wall around the level, and you're done. You know, um, simple geometry. Put a texture on there. Um, 
simple voice acting. A lot of it's bad. You could really get away with these huge levels with lots of hidden stuff the player might not even see because it was so quick to make. Um, in comparison, games today, like especially big AAA games, require so much money that you have to pare that down. So there's nothing quite like it. It's the it's at the perfect intersection in time of games g getting advanced enough to have that kind of complexity, but still simple enough to let the developer run wild with stuff they just throw in there for fun without it being a huge money drain. So, good game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my big rant about Deus Ex. Also, Human Revolution, really good as well. Never played Deus Ex. It's very orange. <laughs> Human Revolution is very orange. So uh, this Fallout New Vegas, you like orange games. Oh, I love orange games. He loves orange oh, games. Oh, I love orange games. Uh, colorblind people. Yep. They only like orange games. That's, that's right. That's it's all they can the see. That's all they yep. can see. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love Dirt Rally. Yep. Dirt, kind of reddish. Yeah. You know? Some, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, guys. Yeah. We forgot news. What? what? Did we? Last, last episode, we said... Next episode, listeners, we're going to talk about the PlayStation 5 reveal because that's oh, yeah. going to happen by the time oh, we record our yeah, episode and just look forward that to that. And then it didn't happen because black but, lives are more important than video games, so they decided to hold off, but that is coming out on the 11th at 1 a.m. So, 1 a.m.? 1 p.m. Opposite. 1 p.m. <laughs> so am I. Broken that's clock is right twice a day, you know? The thing about online university... <laughs> Is that I am my sleep schedule is meaningless, so I don't know the time anymore. But yeah, um, that didn't happen, which is news in of itself. Yep. People on Twitter were so mad, and they were saying, "I'm moving to Xbox. Xbox <laughs> would never furious. do this," which is hysterical. Because then Xbox did something similar, and yep, Phil Spencer yeah. does not support this. Phil Spencer is Phil Spencer. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take, guys. Um, but, but yeah, yeah so we'll next be talking week, about it next we week. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yep. Hopefully. <laughs> Who knows? We'll know about um, more than the controller. And finally. then yeah. in like a week, The Last of Us will be out, and we will definitely be talking about that. Maybe we can have like a spoiler exactly, cast or something. Exactly 11 days from now. Yeah. Last of Us Part 2. Alex might not get to play Last of Us Part 2, honestly. Alex, you could, Last of you Us could Part beat one. it by then easily. You just have to do it. Yeah, man. but do I want to? There's so many other games. Listener. Listener. Email us. We we have an email address. It is emeraldgamescast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter at ODEGamesCast. Here's your homework. Email or tweet us if you have an opinion on whether or not you would like me and Janelle to do a two-person spoiler cast where we discuss Last of Us Part Two after completing it without Alex to protect his ears from spoilers. Yeah. And if you want us to talk about a certain game, or you have any questions for us, or you want to pitch us something else to argue about, like our good friend did with the Fallout games, send them there too. Yeah, we don't get emails very often. The last real email we got was just saying, play Animal Crossing with us. Thank you, listener. We will... No, it was like a spam from... Uh... No, it was one of Alex's friends. He said, I'm Alex's friend. Here's my Animal Crossing code. Oh. And I just forgot about it until this moment. And then we got a spam last week, and I was so excited seeing that we got an email yeah. and so devastated when it was spammed. Don't let um, Janelle be sad, listener. Don't let me be sad. Send us an email. Make her have happy. no idea how often I cry, how easy it is oh, for no. me to do it, because you don't email us. Yeah. Um, that's the reason. That's the entire reasoning. That's, that's whole, it. That's Every it. night. Additionally, I know that my co-hosts aren't super comfortable um, talking about themselves, but 
If you follow Alex on Twitter, he talks about cool video games that are on that itch.io bundle, and you should follow him. Nolan has been writing video game pieces in the Willamette Week. Willamette Week, if you want to not listen to us talk and read us talk instead. Well, you read should. Nolan talk, because no. Well, us. and you, with your little, with your Twitter thread. My little, my little rinky-dink Twitter thread, yeah. My little yeah, Twitter thread. little Twitter thread. Nothing wrong with the Twitter so, thread. That's we like those. Content. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for tuning in to episode 29 of the Emerald Games Cast. Next week we'll come back with 30. Might have to pop a champagne for that or something. It's like an anniversary. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pop champagne next yeah. week, guys. Thanks for listening. I've been Nolan. With me has been. Fuck, I don't have a. Oh shit, I forgot to come up with a joke. Hang I'm on. I'm Alex. No, 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 I'm... The big window, Michael. I'm the big window. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs)